Okay, did you hit the record button? Okay, we actually record. Okay, good. good. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Star Wars Legacy of the Force, episode four. This is where we get into what we call the good times. And I'm so excited to be here live on uh, Death Pixie Productions through the Clam Jammers podcast and Final Cut Presents Director's Cut podcast doing a nice little dual sponsorship thing, except I see no money, which makes me sad. Um, you know, and, and meanwhile, like our corporate overlords are like probably going like, good, good. I'm sorry, I know he's not in this movie. I just had to get it out of my system. Uh, I'm Nathan, AKA Crabsworth, depending on where you're watching this. And with me, of course, is... Really? Okay. With me, of course, is Carrie Fisher stunt double because kissing Mark Hamill felt like kissing her brother. Please welcome Miri. Sup, bitches, how's it hanging? So tell me, what was it like kissing Mark Hamill back in 1977? Uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, there was a time where we could have been lovers, but we just like two passing ships in the night. Just just never met up. Is he in your top five? I mean, I won't say where. But he is. <laughs> of course, he he's in your top five. <laughs> well, of course, but I've never done that deed with him. <laughs> Um, okay, so... Hey, hey, you you get his mouth, I get his voice box. That's a deal. So, New Hope, I am pleased to... Because we were both worried going into the the OGs. And we're actually very happy. We're like, okay, thank goodness. We remembered right. This is better than the prequels. This is a good movie. We're we're happy here. Thank God. Um... No, I remember. Uh, well, hell, I still have the chat logs. I messaged you. I'm like, do I have to do this? Like, I'm, I'm out of distractions. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm sick and I'm out of distractions. The only thing I've got left is watching New Hope, but I just can't do it. I, I can't do it. And then you did it, and you were like, oh, thank God. Uh, oh <laughs> thank God. God. Oh God. It was it was a huge relief. And I mean, don't get me wrong. A New Hope has problems. But none of it is to do with character, which is why I find, as a voiceover artist, I really watch movies now. You see the character development, you see direction, you see the drive. Nothing. Even even with everybody being so green, you see it. Oh, yeah. I know it's a real testament to especially Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. Uh, Carrie Fisher, of course, as well, to a lesser extent, because she was in the movie a lot less than those two. But but I will say how well I was I was thinking about it and I was thinking about the time period. And to see a princess unapologetically at that time be like, you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. Let let's do this and just unabashedly be taking charge and be actually in a position of like, oh, she's not the pretty princess. She's she's doing shit was a pretty big deal at the time. And in comparison, no offense, Queen Amidala, your daughter kicks ass. They really did shaft you over the course of the prequels. Compared <laughs> like, to Leia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like they really they really shafted you in, in comparison to your daughter there. But uh, that being said, I agree with you. Like both Harris, like Harrison had acted 
before. And I know Mark was Mark Hamill a kid actor. I can't remember. I cannot remember either, but I know he had like a couple of projects under his belt. Harrison Ford actually uh, during the auditions was working as a carpenter on set and they had him read Hansel and they're like, well, hell, let's just get him. And it's the best decision they could have made. Harrison yeah, no, probably he, regrets it, but. So when they did the auditions, they did New Hope. So they tagged in with another audition. So it was New Hope and uh, Carrie. So everybody who auditioned, auditioned for roles in both movies. Um, Harrison was actually doing, he would do lines as Han off camera. Yep. And that was another reason why he got in. But in my mind, I'm just like, don't you want to see what it would have looked like if you switched the casts for the movies? What would have happened? No. <laughs> like. No, because I'm sorry, the casting for this was perfect. It really was. But I'm just saying, in an alternate universe, they were swapped, and that was entertaining. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna say it now. I'm reserving all of my madness for the last section of our of our podcast Yay. today. So that that's I'm, just a that's a preview. I'm a preview so of the excited. madness to come. But I'm that being so said, let, clearly we're both nerding out. But let's get into this. So we are going to do. Uh, plot a plot spoiler from the top in under five minutes and then we will do in 45 seconds with my trusty timer the remembered impressions that we both had now i have a special request for nathan for this um plot recap slash spoiler i know the request i i'm requesting this be done in your oh my god voice ah <sighs> Are you ready? I don't know how the hell I'm going to get through this in five minutes. You can do it in five minutes. I believe in you. <laughs> okay. <sighs> All right. Start the timer. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So we open up with C-3PO, the totally gay droid, and the R2-D2, the totally styling, profiling, super styling, awesome one on some sort of like spaceship thing. Oh my God. And uh, meanwhile, um, we get in and we see Darth Vader. He goes in and like, oh my God, I'm going to force choke you. Oh my God. And 3 feels like, oh God, take me, take me now. And R2-D2 is like, beep, boop, fuck now. Oh my God. And so I don't know why they're going after the droids, but I do know that there's some bitch named Leia who's like, R2, I need to give you this message. Um, let's go get some shiz. And also, uh, find Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Oh my god. And so, unfortunately, Princess Leia gets kidnapped. And then uh, she goes, pew, 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 pew. Then the stormtroopers come up. They can't aim more shit. They're like, oh my god, I can't see a thing. Pew, 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 pew. And um, R2-D2 and 3PO escape. They go to Tatooine land. And in uh, Tatooine land, um, R2-D2 and 3PO have a lover's quarrel because 3PO doesn't know it's a fucking place. Uh, and um, they go, they go their separate ways. And then oh my, and then oh my god, uh, one thing leads to another. They get uh, shafted to Luke Skywalker and his family. His family, for some reason, doesn't know who like 3PO and R2 are. Um, and. Uh, some things happen and let's just say that um r2 leads out obi-wan kenobi after you know our 
after Luke, you know, gives them a bit of a pleasure sense. And uh, one thing leads to another. And um, unfortunately, Luke's family is dead. And they go to Mos Eisley. And they meet up with Han Solo and Chewie. And Chewie's like, oh my god, I know a pilot for some shoes. I can totally do this. And Han's like, I need more than shoes. I need money, bitch. I need money to go to Alderaan to help you guys. And so they sell the speeder and Luke gets pissy because it's his only job. And um, they go and uh, get to the lovely Death Star. Meanwhile, there's Vader and uh, his name's Grandma Tarkin and Grandma Tarkin's trying to interrogate Leia. And Leia's like, bitch, please. I don't want to, I want to get shoes. And Vader's like, oh, she's still resistant. And then Tarkin's like, oh my God, we need to test the Death Star. And so when they test the Death Star, they blow up her little planet. And Leia's like, oh my God, no, I live on Dantooine. What the hell are you doing, bitch? And Tarkin's uh, like, two oh, and bitch, a half minutes. don't. <clears throat> and Tarkin's like, oh, bitch, don't fuck with me. Um, so meanwhile, um, they're giving them transport. And uh, um, instead of boarding the fucking destroyed planet, they go and board the Star Destroyer where Leia's being held captive. And so they get into these sexy Stormtrooper outfits. Don't worry, Luke totally fills it out better than Han. Han is like, everything's okay, situation normal. And uh, they rescue Leia with Leia, like totally taking control after they rescue her because she's a stuck up bitch who knows her place and her place is in front leading the shit. Like, let's get that clear. So um, anyway, one thing leads to another and Leia and Luke and Han and Chewie escape through a garbage chute um, and they get onto their ship and Vader places a tracker so he can find the rebel base. That's what he's doing. And since Leia's not talking, cause Leia's a psycho bitch who's fucking awesome. Um, they track them to Yavin 4 and the Death Star's moving. Now, meanwhile, the rebels have a plan because of R2-D2, that cute little sexy droid, uh, to destroy the Death Star. And so Luke and all of his little buddies go up and pilot their shippy things to go into the Death Star. Also, by this time, Obi-Wan and Vader have a fight and Obi dies. It's sad, really. But anyway, let's keep it on the happy. Luke destroys the Death Star with the help of Han Solo, who's like, I'm gonna leave. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Luke, Han! Okay, Luke, I'm coming back. Pachoo, pachoo. TIE Fighters die. The whole place is saved. The Death Star is blown up. And everyone lives happily ever after, especially R2-D2, who's like, oh my god, look at my happy, sexy dance. 3PO's like, oh my god, don't tease me like that. You're totally out of my league. Oh, shut up, bitch. Let's get some shoes. Oh, you shut up, bitch. I'll get you shoes. Yeah, you better get me shoes, bitch. I've got three legs. Uh, way to go. You came in 34 seconds under. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, you, did forget, you... you did forget my favorite part. Which part? Um, so Luke goes to get to his X-Wing fighter and Biggs shows up and they're oh, all like, oh my god, bitch! Oh, oh my god, bitch! Oh, uh, oh, oh that, that plot thread that was totally under uh, But yeah, no, she's totally right. I did forget. I apologize. Luke and Biggs are like, oh my god, bitch! Oh my god, bitch! I thought you were going to the academy! No, bitch, please! I was going to work on Tatooine Land with a bunch of fucking blue milk! Oh my god! What happened? My my uncle and aunt were burned alive by troopers! Oh my god! How lucky for you! I know! Exactly. That's exactly how it happened. So Please, please note, I will not be doing this with every movie. 
That was just this one time. Um, and so help me God, please watch A New Hope because I've completely butchered the freaking plot because it, like, honestly, watch New Hope. It, it, it's so much better than what I've made it up to be. Okay, I'm gonna give you a tiny bit of a break because I'm gonna go into my 45 seconds. So give me a second here, I gotta get up my timer. Okay, so are you gonna do it as like somebody who needs to get some shiz too? I can't do the voice as well as you can, I'm sorry. Oh my God, yes you can. Oh my God, no I can't. You're oh my just God, like yes so you good can. at it. Oh my you God. Know, you're just like so good at it. That's okay, so okay, fine. Silly, fine, fine. Here we go, let's get some shiz. All, All right. right, let's get some shiz. Okay, so like, yeah, you're right. You're not as good. You're not as you're. You're right. You're not as good. Start the clock again. Fucking <laughs> dick, you set me up. Okay, <clears throat> so a lot of my opinions kind of hold true to what Nathan says in terms of just how good. I remember the movie being. Um, overall impression, this is how you open a series. This is how you do a backstory without annoying the hell out of your audience. Um, the visuals hold up. Now I need to remind you that when I originally saw this, it was on super old VHS tapes that my parents had that actually said one, two, and three on them. Um, so we are actually gonna be the 77? Yeah, we are actually going to be talking about the CGI Lucas editions, but later. Uh, that being said, I remember really loving this as a kid. Woohoo! And I made it. Okay, are you ready for your 45 seconds? Okay, am I doing this as a bit or am I just. No, you can do it as yourself. Thank Christ. Okay, three, two, one, go! So my memories of this movie were tainted by Family Guy's Blue Harvest, um, you know, so I was afraid of when I sat down and thought of this, would I think of this as Star Wars or would I think of this as the movie with the lightsaber penis joke, the couch joke, and a lot of other really good ones. Um, but um, this, I remember being one of the biggest movies of my childhood. It's a bit slow and, but, and it has a damn impossible task and it did it masterfully. Um, as I'm going to be saying, everything is good from the writing to the acting, particularly Alex, Alec Guinness. Um, and whether you like their uh, performances or not, Carrie Fisher's British accent needed to die. Uh, they craft such rounded characters. The plot is good. The characters are good. Um, I watched the 96 edition and the CG from when they used it, except for Jabba, I thought was really good. Um, and this is one of the best starting points, as Miri has already said, in cinematic history. So take that for what it's worth. I remember being really excited for this. You only went 10 seconds over. You're getting better at this. I know. You're getting so much better. I can guarantee you for Empire, I'm not going to go over time. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna do it in our little sections so we've got overview we've got action uh effects and sound editing those three kind of all go a bit together <laughs> uh costumes yeah, we've, we've we've got we've got sections but really all of them just sort of run together they so, do you know, just, oh my just god there we uh, go oh my god uh music script slash story slash plot characters um George Lucas as a creative versus a dick. And then 
Nathan regrets his decisions that have led to this moment in time, where we get to go oh. through Miri's thoughts on the movie, also her innocuous please. questions for please, Nathan please, to explain. Please, please don't. <laughs> not with this movie. With this nope. movie, it's so fucking good. No, I, I gotta keep movie. you on your toes. It's so good. This movie's so good. How can you have questions? This movie's as, so good. As your friend, nay, as your as your only friend and and window to the outside world, I must keep enriching your life. If it wasn't true, I would be just so upset right now. <laughs> okay, so let let's start with um, let's start a bit slower than we did last time. So let's talk about. Um, sound and music because oh my god the Foley work on this is just next level. Oh it's fantastic. It is it's fucking incredible. I just even today it is amazing sound design. There's a reason why THS and Skywalker sound exist to this day. Yeah no it's it's definitely really showcases what they're capable of doing. I I just I have no complaints like it's even today no. it holds up um what I love about this movie um and it's it's probably down to the acting but it feels more than ever that John Williams just has to compose musical scores that are going to match intensity he doesn't have to carry emotional yes because I the actors can do it themselves hell the first five minutes of the big climactic space scene at the end it had no music it was just sound effects and the actors being the actors because you could feel the drama of it you don't need John Williams behind you no oh, I uh, one of the best examples I think is Mark Hamill um, he has a moment with the sunset and then he has another moment where he finds um, Uncle Ben and Aunt Prue Yeah. and the musical cues with his actions I'm just like I can feel what he's displaying like it just enhances that moment it's like you can it's like the music is his inner monologue almost it works so well together and it's yeah. so well balanced um, which also would mean um, kudos to the editing for making sure to put the music and the visuals in line like that because it was it was very well but, done. But minor nitpick of the editing because you're right on all your points. I just don't like the total 180 of uh, Luke being so devoted to his family and then like within a split second, yeah, Obi, I want to go to Mos Eisley. I think that's because it's um it's like I'm gonna take revenge. Yeah, but like but that, I that's might, what it felt I, like. To me. Like my problem is I thought the preceding scene was so good, I wanted 20, 30 more seconds of that. Oh, okay. Just to like yeah. Oh, okay, so you you didn't want like a whole fucking soliloquy. You just no, wanted a few more seconds. Okay. No, I I I I want I wanted them to at least hang on that a bit more because yeah you were really selling me on the devastation with Mark Hamill you know and the stuff like that and all of a sudden the quick edit too yeah I want to I want to go to Moss Eisley fuck some shit up yeah oh, cool. um you you know what no I'm gonna save the loot comments for character because we we've got our notes on character is I just like Luke. oh my god it's I love Luke it's a full laundry thing um I want to say that song in the bar in Moss Eisley is still a banger. 
Thank you, thank you. We're the Cantina Band. If you have any requests, shout them out. Play that same song. All right, same song. Give me go. Also, I'm going to be making references to Blue Harvest this whole time. So, but do you not agree? It's a banger. Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. Uh, like it's, it is a a classic. I think it is like nail on the head, John Williams, with that, because I know we've been hearing his music and his themes for the last like for the prequels as well. But oh, my God, the new hope. I'm just like fucking mind blown right there, (laughs) but probably had the benefit of not having like 30 years of history behind him with the movies. This was like a, a starting point. Um. What was, what was my other point? Oh, I have to do a shout out. There's a theme. It's a small theme uh, used for R2 and the Jawas. And it's so amazingly perfect. I I was, it's just so, just so perfect. Like, I'm not going to lie. I wish that had been R2's theme throughout all nine movies. Like, it's just such a, such a good theme. (laughs) <laughs> See, I think I think R two in himself is a theme across all nine movies. So I don't think he needs the backing music behind him. But just every once in a while, it just okay. It feels I, I like agree R2. that he needs. I agree that he needs more. I agree, like triumphantly, you know, whenever he saves a day, it should have a little swell in the back. I'm with you there. Okay, okay. And he like, saves the day quite a bit. He does. And I will admit, I do appreciate in Sith that he had the, like, the epic. <laughs> like, I just, I just killed everybody moment. I do. And it would have been hilarious to have heard this theme after he did that. Because it's so, like, it's so, like, cheery that it'd be hilarious. Um, hey, I just spilled a bunch of oil on the floor. Now I'm going to burn you in. No, do, 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 do. <laughs> um, are we good? You know what? Let's talk about costumes, sets, and the puppets. Because Let's. they look so... There's so much detail. It was one of the few times in my notes I actually put in about the costume design and especially the set design. Yeah, like the sets, holy fucking shit. The the models as well, because I know there were models used as well. They're like next level. I think the puppets were done by Henson Company. Yeah. They look it. I think a lot of them were too. Holy shit, do they look it. Like... Oh, I know. They're unbelievably good. Uh, if we're wrong, we're going to get flamed in the comments. We are sorry. I just know yeah. that Yoda was done by Henson. Yeah. And um, a lot of these puppets, particularly in the first two, and you could argue Jedi as well, because Jedi was insane. Um, the puppetry, it was either Henson or nothing. It had to yeah. be from our perspective anyway. And we don't do a deep dive into like who produced Yoda's puppet or who produced the... It, it, if it's not from the Henson Company, it's from people who worked for or would work for the Henson Company. Like it is, it just, I was getting serious, like dark crystal labyrinth vibes from some of them and stuff like that. Like it was just gorgeous. The sets were gorgeous. Shiz, 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 yeah. shiz. Um, 
the costumes are they simpler than what we saw in the prequel? Yes. yes. However, they work. Oh my god. Like, they, and that's that's the thing. It works so well in its simplicity. Yes. It does. And I I'm like they're they're perfect. Like there there's no complaints from me. They're perfect. Everything looks lived in. And that's what I love about it is everything looks lived in. Um, it doesn't look like this is it doesn't look like, you know, sleek, clean in yep. space. It's everything looks like people have lived here. Um, I think the real defining trait here is you can give anybody in these costumes the silhouette test. Yes. And you would be able to point out a lot of them. Yes. Uh, you just absolutely. By, just by who they are. That is a testament to wardrobe and hair and set design. and. All Although I, I do have a funny story about how the buns on the side of her head happened. Okay, I need to hear this. So, so you need to understand. Yes, Carrie Fisher came from a Hollywood family, old Hollywood family. Um, yes, she would like do musical numbers and stuff with her mom, but she initially didn't want to go into acting. So she came out of this movie fresh out of a conservatory school in England. That's why she talks the way she does, because that's how they were making her talk at the school. And they sit her down. And they pull out all these pictures of royal Dutch royal hairstyles and they just keep flipping. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? Oh, pick a hairstyle, pick a hairstyle you like. And she's like, she didn't like any of them. Spoiler alert. She did not like any of them. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> and eventually it got to a point where it was like this one. And they really went with it. <laughs> <laughs> like they they thinking that it would be subdued, but instead of doing it subdued, they overdid it. I will oh, isn't that wonderful when that happens. Yeah, I will say the hairstyle at the end is a bit better, but the buns on the side of her head was the result of just being like, pick something from all of these historical hairstyles of Dutch royalty. Pick something. Uh, you know, I wonder if um when Irvin Kirshner took over as director for Empire. I wonder if she went to him and was like, Irv, babe, babe, seriously. I need these buns off. I oh, wonder if that's how it went. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Irv when we get to him, but I was, I feel that the way that he worked with everybody was great. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to Empire. Um, let's see, other thing. I, I just... I love physical sets and the physical puppets. It just feels more real to me. That is my bias. I fully recognize that. Another thing that's my bias is there's something about late 70s film that I really like. It Even if you clean it up and put it through rendering and stuff, it still has a bit of a gritty vibe to it. And I've just always found that that feels a bit more real for me when watching a movie. And those are my own, those are my own biases. So obviously I, I loved looking at everything and being like, ooh, the sets and stuff and all of that, that fun stuff. Also, sorry, shout out to the location hunters because there, yes. there were some locations that were just brilliant. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Like whoever found the Death Star in space. 
I know, right? Like, oh my god, they are oh not my getting god. paid enough. Yeah, no, they are not getting paid enough. No, give those people more galactic credits, honestly. Yeah, you really should. You really um, should. So let's move into effects now. We both saw before the CGI scene ads and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I saw the '96 special. Oh, you editions. saw the '96. Okay. Yeah, I haven't yes. seen the I haven't seen the '70s reels. Yeah, so I saw super old. All I don't know how old it is, but I distinctly remember it said one, two, three on the tapes. Yep. I remember it said that. Um. If it's one, two, three, it would be before the '96 editions. So then it was before then, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the exact date. Um, we obviously did our rewatch to keep everything equal because science. We did the rewatch with the di- what's on Disney Plus right now. All right for cheapness. Yeah, um, but also you know science. We have to make sure that they're all the same quality. Well, I mean, we wanted we wanted things to be the most accessible, you know, for the kids who watch this. <laughs> Exactly. And now, now meanwhile, everybody just listened to us drop F-bombs for the last, like, 30 minutes. I know. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, what I do want to say is about the CG. So, the film cleanup, I was kind of fine with. Like, there's... um, there's the sand racer, the speed racer on the sand. And what they had done originally was they took grease, smudged the lens so that you wouldn't see the wheels underneath it and it would look like a force field. So they cleaned that up and took that out. And I was like, there's a bunch of cleanup stuff like that that I had no problem with. Um, I think Biggs, uh, Luke and Biggs meeting each other. That was a cut scene that was added in. I was fine with that. The CGI ads additions for me, yes, the animation is great. The bones of it, that animation is great. But the final render, because it's surrounded by stuff that's real, feels like a really big juxtaposition. Are you talking Jabba? I'm talking Jabba. I'm also talking about there were a couple moments where... um, stormtroopers are walking around and there are these animals coming in and out of the scene. Um, And then there were a couple pan shots out of things so that you could see what the city looked like, but everything that moved, you could tell it was CGI. But I recognized for the time, because I think all of these were done right before the Phantom Menace release, that it's good. It's just, it didn't age as well as the original effects, the use of models, the use of the screen capture, the use of this, that, and the other thing, it just didn't age as well for me. So one of the uh, changes that they made between the 96 edition and the 2005 edition, which I think is up on uh, Disney Plus right now, or the 2004, I can't remember which, uh, the chess scene between um, R2 and Chewie had uh, mm, yeah. completely different pieces in the 96 and I'm like, why the hell would you get rid of the chess pieces in the 96? It was an infinitely better effect um, from my perspective and it's... they still It was still the stop motion stuff though in the one we saw, no? No, it wasn't. It wasn't? No, it looked like it was stop motion. <laughs> it was the stop motion models. Could have been. I just I remember that chess scene playing out a bit differently. 
like with the stop motion models, but. It's still, in the one we saw, it was still stop motion, but I think that they boosted the color and everything on it. That's probably why. And that's probably what you were noticing was that color. Yeah, I, I knew I noticed something being yeah. off between. Yeah, the, the color was boosted. And again, that's something that you're probably noticing because yeah. if you boost that color, but nothing else around it, it kind of, it's a bit juxtaposey. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the Jabba scene? Actually, I want to do a uh, shout out real quick to Jedi Rocks. This is episode six, and I'm going to do a shout out to it now because if you're talking about just juxtaposition, man, that scene right there. In oh my six, god! That's what I remember. Oh my god! It's, it is a banger. It is wonderful. Um, <laughs> on, 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 honestly, Jedi Rocks, because I know Miri's not going to let me talk about it when we get to episode six. So you're going to talk not... about it anyway. I know you. I know you. You're going to talk about it anyway. Yeah, just like you're going to talk about Stupid Lay's Stupid Flight School in episode eight. We are not mentioning Space Mom. Space Mom can do no wrong. And if you slander Space Mom, I will reach to the computer screen and pull out your throat. Stupid Lay's Stupid Flight School. That's all I God can say. damn it. Hey, you want to use the force with no energy? Yeah, Stupid Lay's <laughs> Stupid Flight School. You know, you know, uh, uh, Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi, has a real good actual uh, explanation for the Force. You know, it, it's created by everything around us. It surrounds us, it penetrates us. You know, you, you need oxygen to kind of, you know, have the cognizance to use the Force in any given sense. I'm sorry, you just do. And so for Leia to just be able to like go with no oxygen whatsoever. Dude, like, we're, not we're, we're not even at that movie. We are not even at the movie. We are not even at that movie. I can't believe you. What are you doing? Okay, Jabba, the Jabba scene. The Jabba scene. Oh yeah. On top. Um, okay, all right, all right. So unlike Stupid Leia's Stupid Flight School, oh, Jabba actually had... I'm getting on top of oh, jeez. So anyway, unlike Stupid Leia's Stupid Flight School, the Han Java scene actually has a point. So I can see why it's being added in. What I'm not a big fan of, and it's a heck of a lot better than it was in the 96 edition, is the animation on Java. It, it's just, it's rough. It's really rough. Yeah. And as much as I'm so grateful that there were there was deleted footage of an actual human portraying Jabba there. So you had a point of reference at all point for Harrison Ford. It still doesn't look all that great. It's got nothing on Return of the Jedi Jabba. You mean it has nothing on the puppet? Yeah, it has nothing on the puppet. Um, I honestly so don't know why they didn't use the puppet or juxtapose the puppet. I'm gonna slightly disagree with you on this really not in the way you think so for me personally i feel jabba is stronger not being mentioned and then being revealed in return of the jedi okay i can sorry like you hear him in passing yep but you do not actually meet him or talk to him till that the return i I I actually prefer that i could get behind that but that's fair that's fair uh, I I just really enjoy the scene because I enjoy mostly all of Harrison Ford's scenes in this. So you, we all know that Harrison Ford is the top of your like 
your five list. Like no, if Harrison Ford isn't. said, if Harrison that Ford said, Robin "Come Williams to me, Grabsworth," you would run into his muscular arms and ask him to whisk you away. Actually, no. If it were anyone doing that, it'd be Robin Williams, and he'd be saying, "Grabsworth, come into my hairy, hairy arms." And then uh, he would whisk me away. But dude, no, that can't dude, be Dude, necrophilia is not okay here. I, I, that's, that's what I said. I said at the end, that would not be okay anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, uh, yeah, that was Necrophilia. The- <laughs> Let's talk about the burn victims. Uh, oh. But actually, uh, no, the, 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 uh, effects on Uncle Owen and, and Aunt Prude at the fire, just the use of risk of showing their burned carcasses in the 1970s. I mean, you're also talking about the era of, um, like, shock horror and stuff like that. Like, there was way worse in, <laughs> in movies at that time period. Yeah, that's true, too. But that being said, it, it was like for this kind of a movie to suddenly have that there, it, like, it was like, holy shit, shit yeah. got real. Shit got real, real fast. Um, do you, do you want to move on to the next section? You do whatever you want, man. Okay. You're, you're oh, I had a question about the effects for you. Oh, this, really? Some of the additions. So a lot of the explosions had that kind of um, circular sound wave yeah. added in. What did you think of that? Eh. Like, was it take it or leave it? Did you like it? Like, what did you think? Honestly, I'm indifferent. I am indifferent. I can get behind it in certain scenes. Um, there's one scene in particular where I think it can add and that's Death Star exploding. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, take it or leave it. Oh, cool. Because I, I know that's a hot topic of debate. So I uh, wanted to yeah. figure out where you were. Because uh, oh, we is. both know I don't give a shit. I'm just like, yeah. ooh, explosion. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there's one scene I like with it. That's a Death Star. And the other one, yeah, take it or leave it. If it adds, keep it. If it doesn't, leave it. But I'm not on the... I'm not on a hardcore camp one way or the other. All right. So let's talk about the action sequences. So before we get into the Jedi fights, we'll save that for the end. I do want to give a shout out to um, the dog fights featured in the film. And I think um, what really benefited it was what they did for those dogfight scenes was they went to old black and white movies of like World War One, World War II. Yep. Uh, fictional ones, fictional ones, not real footage. Um, and they put dogfight, spliced I, I, together a uh, a storyboard from that and followed yep. that to edit together what they wanted for the dogfight sequences. And I think that really helped the pacing and yes, keeping did. the action, keeping it like uh, interesting and stuff. You had the the scene with Luke and Han in um, the top and the bottom, I guess. Oh, I can't remember the, the term. Gun pits or something, the, the gun seats. 
that benefited from oh, it. Oh, the, the turrets. X, yeah, the X-Wing fight at the end really benefited from it. I, it's, um, there's the shoot, a lot of the hallway scenes, yes, the choreography is simple, but also those are narrow hallways with nowhere to really hide. Yep. So that kind of is realistic. That is how you would fight uh, in that hallway. Uh, again, I'm, I'm sorry for saying this simple, but effective. Yes. That's, and you can say that for all the choreo, everything. If you want to boil this movie down to three words, simple but effective. Um, I will say something that you might disagree with me with, and that's fine. I actually appreciated the longer takes, being able to see things. Like, I, I know we're in the era of the three to five second cut, and I get it's like, well, we can show them everything from different angles, but I don't actually get to appreciate anything when I have a longer shot, a longer time, and I can see more movement and blocking in that shot. I can actually appreciate, like, I can appreciate the sets more. I can appreciate the the costumes. I can appreciate all this stuff. I can also appreciate the relationships between characters more. Um, so you might disagree with me on that. I actually appreciated the long takes. Well, I appreciate the long takes in some sense. I think that uh, some of them were a bit overused, particularly as it came to the uh, Tatooine scenes um, where you always had to end on like 3PO, for example. There are certain times when I think it enhances dialogue and enhances character. Absolutely, because you can see everything that they're doing within those takes and you're in the moment more so you get a bigger tendency to be sucked in. I was actually pleasantly surprised that I was able to. But if you <clears throat> if you think to yourself, part of doing that long take is uh, 3PO asking if he should turn himself off. That's where it gets a bit far for me. But I, ki- sure. I kind of feel like that was more of a dialogue script choice, yeah. though, that we're, which we're going to get uh, into. Yeah. But, so do you I have anything? Appreciate you- it. I can appreciate it in some sense, just not all of them. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about the action sequences before we talk about the Jedi fight? Uh, oh, before we talk about the Jedi fight. Okay. All we need to discuss about the action sequences is the final space dogfight yes. like the last 10 to 15 minutes is the best space fight i have ever seen yep by also, a country uh, mile also like can we give a shout out to the bottles used that yes. were made and used in that cuz it's it, was so it good. looks so good it is it's so, so good. good oh and uh, the other thing shout out to chewbacca because uh, nobody ever sees this. I actually went back after I rewatched uh, New Hope the first time just to rewatch the space battle. Nobody ever seems to mention this. Uh, one YouTube commented, I forget the username. If Han is piloting, that means Chewie is the one who took out all of those fighters. He shot like three for four. And in this yep. movie, when you've got stormtroopers that shoot like one for 50, that is madly impressive. Yeah. Um- Actually, I can't believe I didn't mention this. Shout out to the design job on Chewie. Oh, Holy yeah. fucking oh, shit. Yeah. Like, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. And I, I say that because I watched Book of Bubba Fett, and they, they have a Wookiee gladiator in there, and he is. Bo- Book of Bubba Fett? 
what what the heck is Boba Fett like? Boba Fett? Yeah, I I know. I was just going with the joke, and you ruined it. You, oh, you I'm sorry. Um, Book of Boba Fett. There huh? we go. We get the Jewish family in here. Huh? What? No. Oh, by the way, what those Jewish? But I want to say ah. is I was impressed with what they had there, and then getting to see New Hope and realizing, like they didn't really have to up anything yep. from what Chewie, how Chewie was done and created. Yep. I'm sure, you know, better, like if you got into the nitty gritty, different stitching, lighter fabrics, all that type of stuff. But in terms of the overall look, it's like, oh my God, it's held up to the point that like you're still using it today. Like it's just absolutely fantastic job. Um, and also shout out to the actor there because uh, he knew he was going to be dubbed Mayhew. over. But sorry, yes, his name. The, the the voice actor for it is Peter Mayhew. No, he's in there. I'm not sure about the. Oh, he's in there. Well, yeah, he's he was in dubbed, the suit. He was he, dubbed with himself. Yeah, he was. No, he, he spoke the lines. Yep. And then sound design went in with all of the different like yeah. stuff. But he spoke the lines so that everybody would know what he was saying and react yep. appropriately. So shout out to that guy. Peter Mayhew. Yeah, big shout out. Also, also big, there, sh- also big a- shout out to Kenny Baker, because if we shout out anybody in this movie, it's going to be Kenny Baker. Um, also, I want to say my favorite photo, Star Wars related photo, is um, him and Carrie Fisher because he's the tallest one. <laughs> and yes. you don't actually realize how short Carrie Fisher Carrie was. Is until you've st- like, she's so short. I actually got to meet her in person once and I was like, after one of her stage shows. Uh, but anyway, anyway, that we're, we're talking about editing and editing kind of flows into your script, your story, your plot, and all of that stuff. So how about we start transitioning over to there? Yes, please. So I I love how like my biggest note is the visuals and music work so well together. They're not competing. John Williams doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. <laughs> like he isn't Atlas in this movie. Yes. He's yes, uh, yes. he's still doing Atlas duty. Oh, oh, uh, it's John Williams. Yes, he is, but he's he's not doing it to an extent where you feel it. You know, it's like you said, it's a harmony. Works hand in hand. But if you have John Williams, you're basically you're basically asking for the world. Yeah. If you. Um, there's so, the script is stronger here. There, there's so many lines that convey so much of a character's opinion. Uh, Luke, for example, says to Obi, this was the one that really stuck out to me, says to Obi, if there, oh no, 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 it is not to Obi. I'm so sorry. But Luke says this line. If there is a bright center to the universe, you're on the planet furthest from to C-3PO. 
And it's, that conveys so much about Luke right there, about his opinion, about where he is, how he feels about it. Like it's so much in one line. And for those of you who don't know that, uh, he loves where he is. He loves uh, Tatooine and like his father, he loves sand. If I can somehow get an Anakin Skywalker sand joke into all nine of these, I'm going to be thrilled. You totally are. I can tell that you totally are going to do it. Um, I love the fact that so the one thing I do about, appreciate about seeing the prequels before is I have a new appreciation for how R2 interacts with Leia and Luke. Yes. Like Leia immediately, like these plans have to get off. Who's she trusting? R2. She's, yep. tr she's trusting him to get the job done. Luke um, has this weird immediate trust of R2 being like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to take this off. Like, of course I am. Yep. Um, just immediate trust. And I, I kind of like that because it's, I don't know, it just warms my heart because R2 was genuinely attached to Anakin. Yes. And it was, it's just nice to see because R2 knows. Yeah. And they don't, but R2 does. And it's just nice to see that like kind of fostering that relation. It's just sweet to me. It's like really sweet to me. R2 is just eternally a great character uh, just inside and out uh, 3PO is a dick that's one of the biggest things I'll say about character when we get to it uh, but R2 himself he he has never felt irrelevant in any of these nine movies any of them completely agree completely but, agree but especially New Hope R2 holds the weight of the world on his shoulders and he does amazing work so shout out to kenny baker as always um r2 is uh tremendous in everything that he does and it's just so much fun it, to watch to watch him work especially knowing what we know from the prequel trilogy knowing he didn't have his mind wiped knowing that anakin wanted to protect him above all others yeah, like it's um, I I was not expecting that to be like. I so appreciate having watched the prequels before because it just yep. gives you this whole history and appreciation for R2. Um, we could go on. This is turning into like the R2 series, <laughs> just having these love fests about R2. Um, I did also want to say that the political aspect is done better than in the prequels. You know what's going on, you know it's present, but it's it's faster, it's a quicker pace. We're not spending 30 minutes in the Senate anymore. Like it's it's a quick pace going on. Like you there's there's a brief update where the general comes in and is like, yeah, the Senate's been dissolved. Like it's boom, 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 it's it's happening quickly. Does that make sense? Like it's not visually happening quickly, but these updates and everything are happening fast. And again, it also further progresses what we saw in the prequels. Cause yes. I mean, it, it totally makes sense. Palpatine was going to dissolve the Senate like that. That's exactly what was going to be happening. We know okay, that. So, so here's the thing. You got all that done in three minutes. 
You don't need yeah. 60, Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. I what was another another shout out that I wanted to give about this is um and we kind of move into acting for me here, so I don't know if you wanna talk about anything to do with the writing. The writing for this, um, like Lucas has said in interviews several times, uh, one of the reasons he wanted the rights for the sequels, which he ended up getting, was so that he could tell his movie his way and that the original script for A New Hope was around six hours long. So he lopped off a third of it. That was A New Hope. And for the most part, the Bible for Empire and Jedi were written. I also want to say, I think he spent longer and a more in-depth time working on the writing for this, which I think is also why it's stronger than the prequels. This is a passion project above all else. Mm -hmm. He did not know this was going to be successful. It was a huge risk, both at the time and now. Are you okay if I move into some of the- Absolutely. So this is a combo of editing and acting. There's a lot of stuff in here with the editing where you actually get to appreciate visual storytelling. So- Yes. Obi-Wan is mentioned. There's these looks between Ben and Prue which says so much without having to say anything at all. Exactly. Like, they know who he is. Yep. And they know what meeting him will lead to. We we don't know, but we know they know more than they're saying. And that's kind of all we need, as at least for me as the audience. Well, well, even again, like to go off of that point, you remember when um, they had the different droids? Uh, Owen immediately passes by R2. Yeah. Immediately passes by R2. Uh, I wondered why he wouldn't do the same thing with 3PO, but then again, 3PO had his mind erased, and it could be that Obi-Wan told him that as well. Um, but, or or it could be that's why he kept talking to him. Yep. To, to just figure it out, you know? Yeah. Like, because he is kind of grilling C-3PO. Yeah, he does. Um... And that's the thing, Owen. Owen and Prue, like they're they're smart. They might be they're smart people. Like, so it, he could have just been grilling him. That's why he kept the conversation going. But it it just works so well. Even even though these weren't made with the prequels in mind, it still works based off of what we saw with with things like that. Little looks. Um, having the time for those looks and and things like that just tells so much about and he wouldn't the get story. that in the movie nowadays. What? You wouldn't get that in the movie nowadays. No. Like, that's the extent that you had it. I one of the long takes that I really appreciated. It's um, Obi Wan with uh, Luke and the lightsaber when he first gets it mm-hmm. because the looks that Alec Guinness can convey and can we talk about how good Alec Guinness is in these movies yeah particularly A New Hope no, with it's, how well he's able to convey everything and I, I think the fact that they had Alec Guinness in what was kind of considered to be a throwaway poppy 
cult yep. movie. Um, that may have benefited because we actually got to see the performance and they probably did that because it's Alec Guinness. We, yep. we need to show that we have Alec Guinness here. Um, also, he's, I don't know what it is, but like everybody, Alec Guinness too, everybody just a hundred percent bought into the world they were in. Except for like your miscellaneous guards. Yeah, like, but <clears throat> in, which, in, in our which main as cast, a, as a nitpick, I'm sorry, I, I have to say, your guards both looking with a stupid face as Vader interrogates Leia. Either get guards who can fully commit or don't use them at all because Vader himself is intimidating as hell. Yeah. Um, um, but everybody, so, everyone in the main cast, yeah, yeah, your principal, committed. your principal cast bought in to this vision that you're all creating, and it, I guess, it speaks to Luke, to Lucas. Um. Yeah. Whatever happened to his casting? Anyway. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's shady. I know. I, know, I thought I'm you sorry. liked Natalie. I thought you liked Natalie. I do like Natalie, but it's you can get a lot of good people and they just might not necessarily work well together. That's that's the thing. But we already spoke about that. But yeah, everybody commits 100%. I, I know it's slow in the beginning. I know there's quite a few long shots. That being said, this is from the late 70s. That was the style at the time, was showing all of this. Like it used to be the person got out of the car, you saw them shut the door, you saw them walk to the building, and then you ha as they close the door to the building, you pan up and then you see them come out of the elevator. Like that was kind of how it was done, which did a, admittedly, if actors took advantage of it, you can gain a lot because you could see how they're walking. How are they interacting with people? The the very infamous, I'm walking here, like stuff like that. I'm walking here. Yeah, that can happen. I also just appreciated it because I was like, ooh, Tatooine, we're from Canada. Like, <laughs> we, deserts are exotic to us. <laughs> but meanwhile, we get to the next movie, Hoth. We are totally on board with that. We're like, yeah, you know what? That's what I want. I want Disney, who is totally not listening. I want a Star Wars series on Hoth, damn it. That's what I want. I Star want Wars, like Hoth, Star Wars, Hoth Wars, starring Miri Witch as Colonel St. Croix. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so hot today, guys. Oh my God, it's so hot. Uh, Colonel St. Croix, it's negative eight degrees. Yeah. It's balmy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's balmy August weather. Hey, you guys want to get some shoes? Let's get some shoes. Get some get some ice climbing in there. Be great. Uh, sorry, I went off topic. I'm sorry. I'm try I'm really trying to be good and saving it. For and I am trying to get you off topic just because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I know, right? You're such a dick. Um. Thank I you. Also, Nobody ever gets that. So, I wanted to mention the interactions Good. between Luke, Han, and Leia in comparison to the interactions between the no. love interests no. in the prequels. No! We I have not to compare that gold to that crap. I have to admit, yes, we know 
Luke and Han are attracted to Leia. However, they respect her. Yes. They get to know her as a person. Yes. They aren't immediately being like, hey, baby, let me take you home with me. Like, hey, 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 <laughs> do not bring Jake Lloyd Anakin into this discussion. <laughs> Let's focus on hating Christians and Anakin. Uh, I will bring all the Anakins into this. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's yes. a little bit more... It's like, oh, she's... Wait, she's in trouble? We got to take care of her being in trouble. Like, Luke couldn't... Luke, yeah, he's attracted to her, but her motive, his motivation to help her is not because he's attracted to her. It's because he's the embodiment of that naive teenager who is filled with hope and no cynicism. He's yeah. filled with he like, I'm going to do the right to thing. A he's idealistic to a fault. Yeah. And it's, I would actually say it's probably one of the best portrayals of idealistic to a fault teenager that I've seen. Yes. It's very well balanced. Uh, when you get over to Leia, she's hopeful, yes. However, she very clearly has grown up in this rebellion. She has grown up doing the practical things to get people to hope again. So yes, she has the same ideals, but she has a practicality to her. And then Han Solo is pure cynicism when we meet him. And it's awesome to see the balance between Luke and Han there. It's also awesome to see how they can all come together and be a family and everything like that with Chewie, with R2, kind of with C-3PO. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like C-3PO just kind of follows along. Yeah. I don't know if you get yeah. that vibe. So one of my biggest issues with pacing is the first 30 minutes, because all we're doing is following R2 and 3PO. With R2, you can feel his motivation. You can see his motivations all the way through, regardless. Yeah. 3PO is just there to um, translate R2's bullshit. You don't need him there. No. You don't. Like, you you could you could literally have R two D two and anyone anything. You could get Bob from accounting down to follow R two, and you get this. You get the same thing. And I think that was my problem as a kid when I said pacing issues. Now I don't think it was a pacing issue. I think it was three PO. Just, just based I, off of. Like, and here's the thing, I genuinely like 3PO. Especially in Empire and Jedi and the prequels. You, you know what? What? Maybe it's... I. You know what, I need to do my rewatch of... Sorry, so I do my rewatch very close to before we record. Yeah. Um. So I need to do my rewatch of Empire and Jedi because I was about to say I feel that New Hope 3PO is a precursor to Jar Jar. I could see that. Yeah. And not in a good way. No. <laughs> like, not not in a good way. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, overall story before we start moving into character, it's a classic story. It's done well. Um, 
I, I don't really have any complaints about the story overall. Uh, there were certainly a lot more smart choices done by Leia that I didn't remember that um, kind of filled in plot hole gaps that I thought were there that really weren't there. And like, yeah, everybody plays their role well. Like it's a cla- it's a classic story. You know yep. what I mean? It's the classic hero's hero's journey story. Like it's it's done quite well. I don't really have any complaints about it, the story overall. What about yourself? No, I, I really don't. I don't have complaints about it. There are a couple of things that I can nitpick about. Uh 3PO is a problem. A new hope 3PO is a problem. Yeah. And Grand Moff Tarkin is a problem. Oh, just from a character perspective, I can't stand Grand Moff Tarkin because I've got I've got no idea why he's there. And I've got no idea why he, of all people, has dominion over Vader when Vader can choke him out at the force of a snap. And they both talk about the Emperor with the same level of reverence, but the Emperor really only respects Vader out of the two of them. Yeah, I, same, now that we're moving into character. Yeah. I have have the same question about that. Like I, that being said, I do really like the actor who's playing yeah. Tarkin. Oh, yeah. Like, this, this is nothing against the actor at all. Uh, it's just this the character just I don't Moff understand. Tarkin. I don't yeah. understand why he's there. And every time he's on screen, it, it's not... It, it's like, why are you here? You're pointless to this. Get out. Um, And really, you break the pacing and the chemistry of Vader with your protags. Because Vader is why we're here. Um, at, in the Empire right now. Like, I'm sorry. You've you've got you, uh, Peter Cushing, I believe his name is. If I'm wrong, shoot me. Fantastic actor. Absolutely. Yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin, terrible character. I'm glad he got written out. <laughs> you are glad he's gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's gone because... <laughs> Here's the thing. He's like a much, 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 much less offensive version of Mace Windu. He's got no reason to be there. He serves strictly to be a folly of command. I don't know why... I don't know why he's there. I legitimately have zero idea of why he's there. So, you know what? That That's our question to the listeners. Tell yeah. us. Maybe you know. We don't. Yeah. We clearly don't. Yeah. Why is Grand Moff Tarkin? Why is Grand Moff Tarkin there? He's he's got no opinion. And if Vader, like if he survived a New Hope, Vader should have snapped him like a twig. Yeah. Um. Overall, I'm gonna say main cast, but especially when when we talk about uh, Luke Han and Leia. Uh, not only are they all giving everybody across the board in yeah. the is giving a hundred percent. When oh, yeah. we look at Han, Luke, and Leia, I really feel that there was a benefit in not knowing how this movie would be received and yes. having zero background. They all drew upon a part of themselves and put it into those characters in a way that felt so real, so natural. Uh, 
I know that they weren't besties or anything like that, but you feel the camaraderie. Yes, they argue. Yes. But there are these moments where they just hug. I have to admit, Carrie Fisher's smile kills me every time. I'm just like, I feel happy with her. But it's the same with Han and Luke. They do certain things. You feel it. Like Luke, especially the introspection, uh, you feel that introspection. Um, well, even some of the even some of the smaller things. Um, yeah. So I don't know, kid. You think a princess and a guy like me? No. No. <laughs> just immediately. <laughs> just immediately. I, like I'm sorry. That is the comedy I love in Star Wars. That is the stuff that makes me laugh and makes me laugh hard. Oh, that reminds me. Sorry. Speaking of good comedy. Close the blast door. Close the blast door. Oh my god, yes. Oh, oh, my, oh my oh my oh my god. So, okay. The the real enemy of the empire is not the rebel base, not the rebel alliance at all. No. It's the doors. It totally the doors are the, the thing worst. that kills me is it totally would happen in real life. That's what I love and, about and the, it. And the, okay, okay. So, you know the scene in Tatooine, where they're searching around looking for the droids, R2D2 goes and locks the door, and yeah. they like knock, they they like knock on the door, and um, it's just like nothing here. Let's go to the next one. Maybe there is something there. They just left the door. No, no, no. It's fine. It's good. Um, and <laughs> that tra- that translates to, well, what do we do if stormtroopers come up, show up, lock the door? I know. Right? Uh, and I, I I don't know why. Because I never laughed at that as a kid, but Mark Hamill's line delivery of lock the door <laughs> just like just like makes me burst out just I, so much. I it feel made like me laugh so hard. These stormtroopers are not the stormtroopers from Sith. Something happened in those 18 years and they are not no! the same. <laughs> Hey, maybe that's what Grand Moff Tarkin was there for. He was the commander of the stormtroopers because Vader was like, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not putting up with this. They can barely aim. Tarkin's yeah. like, I'm going to make the aim worse, Vader. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, another another good bit of comedy. Ah! Room full of stormtroopers. Yeah. Ah! Well, what, what's, better, what's better is... <laughs> oh god. So when they actually found R2 and 3PO, it was because 3PO didn't lock the door. Right? <laughs> uh, and, and I'm just and I'm just like, 3PO, you were told to lock the damn door! If you had him, it would have worked for God's sakes. <laughs> um and the other the other thing I wanna say that also makes those comedy moments so good, but the whole movie so good, um, especially with those three is just this level of sincerity yes that they bring and their natural magnetism like it just all works and i after seeing the prequel it really is magic especially when you add in chewy and r2 it's just magic with all of them and then we'll get to lando in empire we will get to yeah lando Because he, um, he f- if I remember correctly, he fits right in too. Like he did, he he did. Um, so here's the thing: I'm not sure if it was Harrison Ford or Lucas, but it, there's something I really appreciate. You can sense Han's character shift 
right from his tone of voice. Yes. Because there, there is a moment instantly where I think it's when Luke's about to get eaten by the garbage monster. And um, immediately after that, Han is just a lot more soft to anything involving Luke. Yeah. Because he, he saw Luke almost die. I was actually going to mention that exact scene. And like, and like, like he saw, he saw the strangulation and then all of a sudden, like every dialogue choice that Harrison Ford makes is, is a lot, you know, softer, a lot more sincere to Luke specifically. Um, He sticks around to see the Death Star. Yep. To see the, to see the plans just because I, I would argue just because he fears Luke like something happening to Luke um, before he, before Luke ends up leaving on the big galactic battle, like the big space dogfight, Han says, come with me. You know, you're a good pilot. I could use someone like you just to seemingly get Luke out of the way. Yeah. Of this, ju- like it's, it's so well done and it's so subtle and Harrison Ford deserves a lot of credit for it. Yeah, I I was also gonna say that um, up until the trash compactor, you can see these little moments where Han is trying not to like Luke. Yep, like trying not to. Well, well, even trying well, not even, to show he let it's it's like older brother, little brother. He's trying I not to you. show that he I likes hate him. You. Yeah. Well, oh god, there, there's one scene where Luke totally plays with Han, like completely in in all in all the best and worst ways hey hey kid i didn't want to rescue i didn't sign on to rescue a princess but she we need to help her we have to help her no no we don't oh she's rich (laughs) yeah it's Uh, so good you you know she could probably get you if you rescue her can you imagine what your reward would be oh no i can i can imagine quite a bit You'll get it. Okay, let's go fucking rescue princess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, that again is like showing a lot of character development with Luke. Yes, because Luke knows how to read people. And it's, it doesn't come out of the blue if you're looking at the way that he observes Obi-Wan throughout everything. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, like the, everything is there. The wheels are turning for Luke. Like, how I, can he? It sounds weird, but I kind of think the cast benefited from having almost no expectations. Oh, yeah. Because they were just allowed to to draw on themselves and bring that level of sincerity and commitment to everything. Uh, in addition, like I said, all of them are, are magnetizing in their own way. Like, yep. they have different types of magnetism. I think... Uh, Carrie described all uh, the difference between um, Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford really well, but I can't remember how she described Mark Hamill, but I remember how she described Harrison Ford, which was basically, he was the big man on campus. You knew he was going to be a star. Yeah. Like he walked in. Also, evidently, Carrie is the only person who made Harrison Ford laugh during yep. the filming. Um, she did an impersonation of him and apparently it was so dead on, he genuinely laughed. <laughs> Which I thought was really cute. But I agree with her. Like there's this 
this like yeah. big man on campus, you are gonna follow him type thing there to Harrison Ford. There's this complete and utter sincerity to Mark Hamill. Like yes. you, you want him. That's the other reason why I think his portrayal of idealistic oh, is so good. Oh, so you want him to succeed. Out. Do you know what I mean? You want his hope to happen. You want his dreams to come true. But when you it comes to him. you, you want him. I oh want God! Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then with Carrie, I think the biggest thing is there is such a sincerity when she's just allowed to be herself. And you see that when Alderaan is about to be blown up, you see that kind of drop and you realize how much Leia cares for her people, just in how she describes them immediately. Everything drops. She's like, I have to protect them. But also she's not stupid enough to tell them the actual location. I do want to give a shout out for that. But um, I love the moment when they got away from the Death Star the first time and she just hugs Chewie. And it's such a sincere, joyful moment. And I I don't know what it is. It also, I think it helps you fall in love with Chewie as well. Like, cause you're seeing this guy who's introduced as he will rip your arms off, yep. tough, all of these things. And just to see him like, yeah. And I, there's the same sincerity with him too, through all of the prosthetic costume and everything. Yeah. It's just wonderful. And his interplay with Han is hilarious. It, oh, it yes. always has been, it always has been. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's great. And I know, well go in there you big. Big look. I don't care what you smell. Go. <laughs> when they're about to die, they have this like conversation. Even just like uh, the uh, instead of beginning to hate her, I'm beginning to like her. And mm. it's like it's just that whole scene where they go into yep. the garbage chute was great. Like I think everybody can tell that we just genuinely love this cast so oh, yeah. much. Like they're. You you just love them all. There's a true magic with all of them being together. Like it, a it's true, true, true magic. Um, I I can't say anything else about it. Oh, well, I want to I want to say I, one thing because we haven't gotten into the Jedi lightsaber fight because you decided oh, I'm going to skip over it. I didn't mean to. But you totally did. Oh, shit. OK, can we finish? So, I have one yeah, point yeah. about Han and yeah. Luke and then we'll get to lightsabers. Yep. Uh, I do want to say, speaking of long shots and having time, I freaking loved Han and Luke escorting Chewie to, because they're trying so hard to be serious, but they don't friggin' know what they're doing at all. Like, it's just so funny to me. They're the wrong Uh, way in the elevator. There's so many, like- They can't see out of the helmet. They still shoot better than the um, stormtroopers. Han suddenly like leans over to somebody and does the so like, yeah, this guy, huh? Like gesture. (laughs) Like, it's just so funny because they're like, it's like be cool, be cool, be cool, yep. but you're not being cool. You're, yep. They know they, you're not being cool at all. Like <laughs> it's so funny to me. Lightsaber fight. Yeah. So uh, first oh, of shit. all, what? Alec Guinness. I forgot to mention this. He brings such a whimsy. Yes, he does. Uh, uh, and a very needed whimsy. 
to yeah. to the performance. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so there's before we get to the lightsaber fight, there are two jokes from Blue Harvest. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up because those are the two that ruined it, like ruined New Hope for me. Um, aren't you a little fat to be a stormtrooper? Well, stay here and ride, you stuck up <laughs> bitch. <laughs> And um, the the lightsaber fight, the lightsaber penis joke, <laughs> which to this day is the best damn dick joke in the history of everything. Fight me. So, Obi-Wan, we meet again. What part of stay 50 yards away don't you understand? Uh-oh. <laughs> Obi-Wan! <laughs> And on that note, yeah, let's, yeah, you, let's yeah, move you hate Family Guy. And you're laughing at those. <laughs> on that note, let's move into the lightsaber fight. So, it's not as epic, but also they can't really get epic here. Like, it's not as epic. I find as what it we... more psychological. Yeah, it's, it's it's nowhere near as epic as the prequels. No, it's not as epic as we get later on. Um, in terms of action, in terms of choreo, every fight afterwards is better. Every fight before it is better, except for one, but we'll get to it. Yeah. I I will say, though, if you take it as something where Obi-Wan is, he is purposefully planning to lose. Yep. So th- what it comes off as is more of like a game of chicken. Who's going to make the first blow? Yeah. Um, and then also, I think he's trying to be a distraction. Yep. So he's got to make sure that we're in a particular position. We have to stay in that position. So I think when you when you look at it more as playing a game of chicken, it makes more sense. And, yeah. I don't know if you felt the same way. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The one thing I will give this fight credit for and why it stacks up better than a lot of the stuff in the sequel trilogy is the psychological aspect between Obi-Wan and Vader, because you're right, under no circumstances does Obi-Wan act- actively want to win. Yeah, no. No, no. O- Obi-Wan knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He just needs to keep. Yeah, he, he's basically there to keep Vader occupied um, and figure out a way to be there for Luke always. That that those are why he's there. That is what he's going to accomplish in this fight. And you, you, you get that even in the dialogue, which basically boils down to uh, don't do it. I'm going to do it. If you do it, you're going to be sorry. Yeah. 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 So, but, like, but, but come on, come on. You want to kill me. You know you want to kill me. So go ahead, do it. 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 I warned you. It works so well. You're right. From a psychological yeah. standpoint and from the standpoint of he is creating a distraction so that yes. they can get out. And this was his plan all along. Like, th- this was the plan. And it makes sense for Vader not to immediately go on the offensive because remember in their last fight, yeah. he was immediately on the offensive and what happened? 
So he is well, gonna... Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe Vader got the worst of wear there. Just <laughs> maybe, a little, maybe. Just a little skin condition. Uh, I, I didn't, can I say something that I didn't say during Sith? Go. So when Anakin's still trying to like get to Obi to kill him at the end of that, in my mind, I'm going, it's just but a flesh wound. Fight me! <laughs> no, what? But I killed you. No, no, it's just flesh wound. Your arm is gone. It's a flesh wound. <laughs> and then you get to Empire where it's like, yeah, try to walk off that flesh wound. Not yeah. so easy, is it? Yeah, right? Huh? So. So. Is anything else you want to talk about characters before we get into anything you want to mention before we get into George Lucas? R2-D2 is a saint. That's we haven't spoken about R2, Chewie or C-3PO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What what are you doing? You're the one leading this conversation and you forget two of the why most important Why do you trust character. me with this? I well, don't well, know see, why you trust me. Well, see, you're the one who trusts yourself more than you trust me because I, I would likely forget things too, but I would never forget about R2. Everything R2 does and why I think we have such a reverence for R2-D2 now is everything R2 does is done with purpose. Um, I remember writing in my notes um, that scene where R2-D2 is slowly getting loaded into the X-Wing. Hey, this this thing is busted. You want a new one? So no way. This little guy and I have been through the world together. You do it all right, R2? Yep. All right, good. And I remember writing my notes. See, that's how you treat a fucking hero, OB. Yeah. It's so bitch at him. Like I like I said, I after seeing the prequels, I have this whole new appreciation for how Luke and Leia treat R2. Yeah. And okay, by the way, the uh R2D2 happy dance at the end where the music swells, they all get their medals. Oh, it's adorable. Our R2D2's dance never ceases to make me laugh. It made me laugh as a kid, it makes me laugh as a teacher, it made me laugh now just because of how sincere it is yeah, and, to, oh. to watch him shuffle back and forth. And then the so uh, show again to Ben Burke for the sound design, but. Um, Kenny Baker, who's in R2. Yes, Kenny Baker's um, I know when he performed it, he would try to have expressions on his face because he yep. knew what kind of mood he was supposed to have yep. so that that would affect his movements when operating R2. Yep. And. You're right. Th- you're right, though. The the sound design for R2 is great, too. But I also noticed that in the prequels, I, I, apparently it makes a difference having somebody in the suit because, like, I, I got way more of that whimsy, happy, like type yep. aspect with with Kenny Baker in there. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but it definitely works. Uh. I love Chewie. Chewie's the best. That's all. <laughs> That's all Chewie, I have to say about Chewie. Chewie is wonderful. Chewie is wonderful. And now we get to the elephant in the room. 3PO. 
so I, I summed yeah. my feelings up is New Hope, yeah. C-3PO, feels like a precursor to Jar Jar. That's, that's the best way for me to sum yeah. it up. He does. And unlike with Jar Jar, like there's no reason for him to do that. Jar Jar requires a lot of buy-in. 3PO, there is no way to buy in. That he's secretly trying to manipulate everything. No, he's too stupid for that. He's like the one, he's like the third wheel in anything. You know, and, and <laughs> I know this from my experience. of a third wheel. Yeah, and I know from my experience of being a third wheel, they want you to get out. But you won't let them. Yeah, no, no. Because the purpose of a third wheel is to never let them. <laughs> exactly. And that that's my problem. He exists in this movie solely to translate R2-D2's beeps and boops. Basically, um, yeah. And I mean, with R2, I mean, I will give the little droid credit. He does have to filter out a lot of foul language, but that's no reason to treat R2-D2 the way that you do. Wait, Anakin never, Anakin just spoke to R2. He never needed translation, right? Um, yeah, he needed it very rarely. So does that mean like R2 picked up his swearing from Anakin? It could, but I, I always just, I always considered R2 to be swearing like all the way through the movies. Like, Well, there, somewhere out there, there's a there's a bonus scene of uh, Annie, <laughs> R2 teaching Annie how to swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you. I hate you. OK, good, good, master. Good. Um, You could have used the F word, uh, the B word. We're in a PG movie, R2. Crap. Uh, OK, maybe damn or hell or bitch. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I agree with you about C-3PO. I'm kind of like, why is he here? Yeah. Kind of feels like he's getting in the way. Yeah, th there's, there is no reason to have him in this movie. Yeah. At all. So. So. Before we get into you regretting your life choices, and before we get into George, George Lucas can be a dick, uh, what do you have anything else to say? Hail R2D2. Yeah. But also, holy shit, I'm very pleased that this movie was not horrible. That, like, on oh my God, still thank holds you. Up. <laughs> you are so right. It's not even funny. I'm so happy. I'm, like, I'm like, so I, I, I delayed this until the last possible time because I'm like, New Hope and Empire and Jedi are the three I'm dreading watching the most because if they don't hold up, my entire childhood is ruined. I'm so glad that A New Hope does. Or that A New Hope does hold up as well as it does. It might even be better than I remember. Yeah. Um. So, over the years, certain things have been revealed about uh, uh, New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. That kind of make George Lucas look like a bit of a dick. Now, that being said, creatively, he did a banger job with this. 
Like there's things that we both can nitpick about. There are things that you can definitely nitpick about, but everybody who came together, how sincerely they worked on it, all of that other stuff, like it's very good. So I'm not yes. faulting him as a creator. I'm, I'm pleased to understand you can love a creation, but hate the creator. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily hate him, but I'm just kind of like, you're a bit of a dick. So, so, so just so everyone knows, in order to keep myself happy throughout all this, because I know what she's going to do, I'm going to be watching the R2D2 happy dance over and over and over. <laughs> just so everybody knows. Um, okay, go ahead. So, David Prowse, who is the body actor for Darth Vader, um, he wasn't told his voice was going to be replaced, and I kind of feel that's a bit of a dick move. I understand why James Earl Jones has an excellent voice. Can't argue with that. As I'm oh, yeah, sure, James, James Earl Jones is like God. Yeah. That just emphatically. I but you should have given him a heads up. It's kind of a dick move not to. Uh Kenny Baker was frequently when they went on breaks yeah. left in the R2 suit. And here's the thing, he couldn't get out on his own. Kind of yep. dick move by the director not to make sure, I don't know, somebody would get him out of there, especially yeah. when they were filming, I don't know, in the desert. Just dick move. Um, Carrie Fisher, I'm not going to really go into detail about this because if you read um, Princess Diaries, she actually addresses it. I do want to note that she remained friends with Lucas throughout her life. I will say, though, that uh, saying there is no underwear in space to your lead actress is probably not something you would get away with today. Um, and I I'm trying very hard to keep my happy face right now. Yeah. And I, I doubt he tried that line on Portman. There's a story about what happened at one of the parties that I'm a little bit concerned about however like i said it's addressed in the princess diaries by carrie fisher so if you actually want the princess diarist by carrie fisher so if you want to see that and she talks about it she reflects on it um you can go and do that it's just it's something where i also think it should be noted carrie fisher had a very unconventional upbringing so to her this stuff was just that was the reality. It's also, unfortunately, the reality of the time, I should say as well. Uh, but yeah, I don't really want to go into detail on that incident. Now, into people like Peter Mayhew. So nobody got royalties or anything from these movies. Uh, according to Hollywood Accounting, these movies well, wildly successful, made no money, which meant that nobody in the cast saw royalties for it beyond their couple thousand dollar paycheck. That's kind of a dick move. Um, I know Carrie Fisher famously right up until Disney took over the rights uh, would say, yeah, I have to pay 10 cents to George Lucas every time I look in the mirror. And for Fisher, Hamill and Harrison, they went on to have success in very different ways, yes. but they went on to have success. You've got other cast members, for example, P Peter Mayhew, very famously had a lot of health issues. Might have been nice to have some of that money. Um, and I'm sure Kenny Baker would have been nice to have some of that money. Uh, now, they never really publicly complained. I know the only person who did was David Prowse, 
who did uh, like publicly complain about it. Um, and I do know that working conditions at the time, it, that sort of payment thing was to be expected. And that flows into my whole thing about workers' rights and stuff, which we're not doing here at all. But that's kind of just a brief summary of some of the things where I think like, you can love this creation, but recognize that there are some dick things the creator did do. Um, to people who could probably have have used uh, a little bit, like the tiniest amount of help, you know? Uh, yeah. That's kind of all I want to say on that. I don't know if you want to say anything else. So you had to bring up Kenny Baker when I'm watching DR2D2 Happy Dance, really? Yeah, I did. Why, why, why do that? Miri no, ruins um, everything. You're, 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 no, you did not ruin the R2-D2 happiness. That stuff still makes you smile. You can't, you can't ruin that. That's too wholesome. Um, could but no, could you're you absolutely imagine? Right. You're absolutely right. Could you imagine leaving some today, walking off and leaving somebody in there? Like, yeah, no, no. Not cool. No. <laughs> not cool Espe- at all. Especially since most of the stuff that they did was on Tatooine. Yeah. Where you actually, and it was shot on location. I can't remember where, but it was desert climate for a great majority of it. Especially for Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker. Yep. Uh, so, are you ready for Nathan regrets his life choices? at the very okay. end of this two-hour extravaganza on New Hope. <laughs> okay, give me a minute. <laughs> okay, R2, give me strength, please. This is gonna suck. Are you drawing on R2? Well, I, I had to finish watching The Last Tappy Dance. Like, I've, I got it on loop. Like, I looped it. So, like, you have times. a choice. Okay. I can tell you my weird theories first, or I can ask you my ridiculous nitpicky questions. Uh, let's go ridiculous nitpicky. Okay. Let's, let's have some fun. They described the Jedi as an ancient religion. It was only 18 years ago. The people who said it would all have been old enough to know the Jedi. What the hell? Hmm. That is a good question. I'm going to go with, um, because this is, this is a complete stretch. Um, the Jedi were basically exiled from existence, right? We see that in Return of the Sith. We see that in Rogue One. Do you think Jedi has become taboo because anybody knowing of the Jedi speaking them in a positive light could also be accused of aiding and abetting possible Jedi, which could mean they would die? I just think it's weird that you'd say it to Vader's face. Who were you that said it to Vader's face? Um... In there, in the conference room, somebody's like, yes. "It's sad that you hold on to that ancient." Oh religion. yes, oh oh yes, that fat guy. Well, I mean, Vader took one look at him and said, "Yeah, well, you're probably gonna die anyway." So, <laughs> um, related to that room, how come nobody believed Vader about Obi being on board? Right? Like, I I don't right. Get that. I don't get it at all. You're you're you've got a force as a Jedi, perhaps the most powerful Sith Lord that you know of with you, who is known to be very gifted with the force, somebody who Palpatine has said 
was far more powerful than Dooku at the time when he became his apprentice, and Dooku was no slouch himself. Yeah, that that one gets to me. That that one, you're you've got me completely on board. I'm not even gonna, unless they all assumed Obi was dead. I I still think it's like I don't under I don't understand. Anyway, no, I'm I'm with you. Like, the only explanation I can give you is why would you put a monster in the trash compactor on a ship? Well, naturally, you needed something to eat the trash. But then why were you compacting oh, the trash? To make it easier for the monster to eat. That doesn't oh, make any sense. Boy, I love trash. Trash, trash, trash. <laughs> trash, trash, trash. <laughs> I mean, think about, I mean, think about this, all the compactor episode, does is make things smaller. This and you episode need to get is rid, You need to get rid of that trash. And this, I mean, you're the empire. Clearly, <laughs> you care about the environment. So, oh boy, I love trash. Yum, yum, trash. Trash, trash, trash. This episode is sponsored by Trash Monster. Get yours now. Oh boy, I love trash. Trash, trash, trash. <laughs> um... Hey, hey, you gonna finish that diaper? So, question. I do both live and biohazard. I, I don't qu- care. I have a question. You question. want me to break down your battles? I have an Obi question. Okay, all right, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, I'm at fine. the end of uh, of Seth, Obi decides to live on Tatooine. Yep. And stays there. So, if he stayed there, how did Leia know about him? Um. Legend was passed down from her family that raised her to Obi-Wan. Fine, I will accept that. <laughs> I will accept that one. All right, are you ready for weird theories? Okay, I'm I'm ready for weird theories. Weird theories and weird connections. All right. First is I really want to there was a very famous um, musical sequence made with uh, the character of Luke called yep. One Season More and I highly recommend everybody go and look at it because it's beautiful oh it's funny it's so good uh, so we have this question about C-3PO why is he here so I have two theories about why he's there and they, they all have to do with R2 Okay, all right, I'm on board, I'm with you. Okay, R2 keeps him as A, a gesture, because C-3PO amuses him, or B, in the same way that cats bring humans food because cats seem to think that we are shitty at being cats, R2 keeps him around because he feels he is shitty at being a droid, so he has to take care of him. So I want to say, first of all, the, the king and the jester bit, is that why you keep me around? Uh, am I just funny to you? No, I keep you around in the hopes that you learn how to interact with humanity. Uh, I see, I see. Because I'm clearly tougher to interact with than general humanity. Well, well, that's 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 not going to happen. Um, no, I can get behind the shitty droid thing because <laughs> I like how that's the one you go with. <laughs> I I can I can get behind the shitty droid thing because um here's the thing R2D2 never reveals any of his plans to 3PO ever. He has 3PO around to serve primarily as a distraction 
uh, to everything. <laughs> To everything, to everything around. I mean, I mean, seriously. So C three PO is bait, basically. Yes, C three C three PO is bait, and he can talk like he can speak in three million languages. R two D two knows this. R two D two is going to use that to his advantage, no matter what the case is going to be. He never tells three PO anything, just as he never told Obi Wan anything. Um but he knows that 3PO can be useful if you don't give him any information at all and let him continue to believe he's good. He's not. The, that's why I think R2-D2 keeps 3PO around because he serves as a good distraction so R2-D2 can do whatever subterfuge he feels he needs to do. I see you like this this theory. I really do. I really do. You got a good one there. Okay. Um. Point of fact... They describe the opening as two meters wide. This proves that metric is the measurement of the universe and that Americans are wrong for using Imperial. Well, well, I mean, you know, when the Empire who, when the Empire who, you know, the big thing in Return of the Jedi is Coruscant Imperial Palace, I mean, you'd think that they would be using Imperial, but no. They use metric. Do you want to know why, Americans? That's why. Yep. Okay. So we mentioned the stormtroopers and how it was like, it feels like a contrast to the ones that we saw in Sith. So I was wondering if the stormtroopers slash clones are missing on purpose. Like they're tired of this, but they were made to serve. So it, they're purposefully trying to make things easier on the rebels as kind of their one of the few ways they can rebel. I, I definitely disagree with that because the stormtroopers were programmed to be loyal to a fault. Yes. To their overall benefactor. But what if Palpatine stopped paying? Because remember they, like in Attack of the Clones, you had uh, Camino say, okay, we have X amount of thousand ready. We're going to have X amount of thousand ready in a few months. Your troopers, regardless of if it's been 18, 19, 20 years, regardless, are going to age and age rapidly. That was one of the downsides of having the clones be the way that they were. They age twice as fast as regular humans. So you're going to have those clones grow up and eventually either die off or be killed or become old and senile. When you get newer clones in, you're going to have to pay for them. Palpatine's already won. He's got everything he wants. Why would mm -hmm. he pay? And as an act of protest, maybe you make the clones stupid. Maybe you make the clones not be able to handle a gun. Or maybe you're not bringing in clones anymore. You're just bringing in random people. I, I I say you're bringing clones and you're dialing back the intelligence quite a bit. Because uh, th this, is, this is what your discount clone is. <laughs> yep. Hey, guys! Okay. My name's Ar Rob. I I've... shoot with my gun. <laughs> so, I have an R2-related one. Is it? It's impossible. How can you miss all the bullseyes? It's perfect. Send him away. Revenge! Um, I, 
I I have a weird theory around R2 and there's actually nothing to to back me up here. It's just this weird feeling I got. It's a small thing. Are you ready? Yep. So remember when they initially buy the red R2 unit and the red R2 unit explodes? Yep. I don't know why. I really don't, but I have this weird feeling that um our R2 sabotaged the red one. Hey, hey, I already think the red one was sabotaged before they got it. No, I so I, clearly, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I, I have this weird feeling that, that well, R2 uh, well, sabotaged mean, the red one. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so clearly here here's what here's what we know about the red one. Um it was either broken on arrival or sabotaged with. I completely agree with you because it barely made it two meters. You know, the only thing that's really made it, you know, a real bitch of a scene was again, 3PO just completely turning his back on R2. Which, yeah, he if R2 were to sabotage anyone, it should have been 3PO. But that's another story for another day. I can buy that it was sabotaged with because the Jawas aren't known for getting anything in pristine condition. Um, but do I think R2-D2 would stoop so low as to destroy another R2 unit for his own gain? That is a tough one. Yeah, I want to reiterate, there is nothing in the storytelling or in the film to back this up. This is just a weird feeling I had when I saw that scene. I don't believe R2-D2 would do something like that. I think it was already broken on arrival. Okay. All right. I would like to point out that uh, Richard Prowse, who is the body of Vader, was also Green Cross Man in the UK in a series of PSA videos about kids uh, looking both ways as they cross the street. And I want you to take a second and now reimagine New Hope with Green Cross Man. I, I'm doing better. I want Darth Vader with a James Earl Jones voice and the David Prowse body to tell children across the street. <laughs> Either way you want to do it. Either way you want to do it. <laughs> Like he, ta- he takes one along. <laughs> I find your lack of faith in street signs disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, and my final uh, one. Yeah, no. <laughs> my final one. There are three so stars. originally, the studio did not want an orchestral score for this movie. Boo! Originally, they wanted a disco score. Now, I know we don't want the music to change, but in an alternate universe, there is Star Wars with a disco score. And I want you, I want you to think about um, staying alive playing as Vader's killing people. <laughs> oh god oh god that, that that is just hilarious so um i want you to think about those dog fights happening with um flight on disco mountain playing in the background i want you to think about the love theme uh being how deep is your love by the Bee Gees. 
I want you to imagine all of that. So, so I don't have to. I and you want to know why? Because um, the there is a Star Wars melody uh, by Mecco. It was done in the eighties. It's called uh, Star Wars and uh, Other Galactic Funk. And if you want to hear Star Wars with a disco esque theme, go listen to that. It's fifteen minutes long, and you will not regret your life choices. It is funny as hell. I'm happy I'm not the only person who had that idea. I have validation. Oh, have you never heard it? No, I have it up. I'm gonna. Oh my god! To it I'll have to. End. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Because it is funny. So that brings us to the end of New Hope, and I want to keep talking. Like that's just how good I, New I, Hope I, is. I feel that we're. We're, we're, we've both been transported to childhood now. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like I, I'm, about, I'm about to invite Nathan to like, I, I live across from a schoolyard. I'm about to invite Nathan to the schoolyard so we could play lightsabers. Like that's, that's the kind of mood I'm in right now. Oh, for the love of God. Fine. I'm Obi-Wan. You're Vader again. <laughs> no, like I, I don't know. Like, I could keep talking about this. Wait, here's like, I'm, a, here's I'm the thing about this movie. And, you know, this movie, and I hope Empire will have the same thing. A good movie with practical effects will remain good regardless of its time period. Yes. Um, and here's the thing. Like we said, there are faults with A New Hope. There are. But almost none of them come at the expense of character. Which we've got good endearing characters throughout all of this, and those characters carry their way through. Yeah, there there is a reason that we looked on with reverence when um, the Force Awakens came out in 2015, and that we we get to see Han, Luke, and Leia again. Yeah, because they were done so well, and this is the impetus of that. Like honestly, the. I'm going to say one thing about Seven. I really wanted all three of them together on screen yes, one last time. Yes, I really wanted that. We really needed that. We never had it. I I would have really liked to have them, all three of them on screen together. That would have been beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, There, there's nothing I can really say. Like, it... Like, there's a few flaws, but that being said, it's still a solid movie. It's so good. Yeah. it. And this is the thing. We're, we're talking about simple works. Like, you can say that about the story, about the script, about everything. But it works so well. Yes, it does. Like, it's it just does. So I, I got nothing more to say, like, other than, like, I, I need more of those those magical people on screen together like fine 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 but you're being 3PO god damn you I get to oh come on you get to be Vader 
<laughs> this is true. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any parting words for our listeners after slogging through this for two hours? <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, first of all, thank you so much for slogging through this with us for two hours. Um, regardless of how you feel about Miri's strange obsession with C-3PO, um, we would like to thank you all for uh, being here with us and taking this journey with us. I'd like to thank Final Cut Productions and Death Pixie Productions for allowing us to do this. Uh, if you like what we do, www.deathpixie.ca, uh, commission us for your works. Just talk to us. We don't really care. And the other thing too is, if you like this, great. If you don't, you don't. These are our opinions. You're free to have your own. We are here to shower our great uh, love of Star Wars, which with each and every one of you. And if there's still even one person listening to this, then it's worth it for us. Uh, thank you so much for everything that you've done. <laughs>